0: from the carter subaru studios this is the g and ursula show with g
1: scott and ursula vojtine angela Paul russell is filling in for Ursula the rest of the week. Ursula will be back on Tuesday. Good morning to you, Angela. Good morning. Are you having a good time?
0: I'm having a blast. <laughs> Last night before going to bed, mm-hmm. I was just, I w- it was hard to calm myself down because I was so excited mm-hmm. about coming to work.
1: But I thought you said it was hard doing the show.
0: Coming it on is here. hard, but some things that are hard can also be fun. Okay. All right. Uh, I
1: got a problem with you, Chef. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You're not shocked, though. He doesn't uh, seem impressed. There's, I don't know anything that's getting ready to be discussed yeah. or to agree to disagree.
0: Not. not <laughs> and, you know, no, I know it all. I've researched it left, <laughs> right,
1: forward, <laughs> backward. Nick, good morning to you. It was all part of Chef's plan. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I just want to make sure. Hey, are you ready for retirement? Well, a lot of baby boomers are going to be here pretty soon. As a matter of fact, by 2030, 2030, where the the baby boomer will be 65 years of age, we will find out how much they do have, according to this survey, and it is actually scary. All right? That's at 1130. But right now, we'll let Chef have the keys right now for Agree to Disagree. Brought to you by Garden Roofing and Gutters. One of these days, we just got to take off the gloves. Just really go out. Don't actually.
2: worry. I'll return the car with the exact same amount of gas in the tank so you won't notice. Okay. All right. Uh, let's uh, spin on over to Spokane, where there is a new local city ordinance that could pass. The Family Friendly Ordinance would allow for kids to enter beer gardens at public events like street fairs, etc. Uh, the idea idea is to allow families to be able to stay together while they're enjoying festivities and you know public occasions. G Scott, uh, wh- what do you th- I mean, currently there's a lot of places that allow kids in with booze. Why why not street fairs and beer gardens? I
1: I am so glad that this topic coming up comes up. When you go to the fair, let's just talk about the what do you call it the Washington State Fair. Still yes. still be P- mm-hmm. out fair to me. But, know, right? yeah, don't tell anybody. When we go to those things and you have to go to the beer garden and you have to go there and just so you can get a beverage is the dumbest thing in the world. It would be like being in a restaurant and being like, hey, you have to go and drink in this area of the restaurant. Your kids aren't allowed when you know you are allowed to have a beverage when you want. In the Washington State Fair, Angela. Just allow people to buy a beverage. You don't do this a beer garden at a football game at Lumen Field. Just let people stop with this beer garden stuff. Let people buy their drinks and they go. Hey, I have, here's some advice. Uh, can you please not give your kids any, any, any alcohol? That'd be great. Thanks, Tim.
0: It's probably that it's harder to regulate if you put it if you put it in the beer garden. You have one. One thing, one area where you're controlling the alcohol. How about the if you let all the vendors have it, then it becomes, you know,
1: becomes a little more Is it scheduled. harder to regulate in the restaurants?
2: Is uh, it harder to regulate when it's on the street in a street fair and you're allowing people to walk around the streets of your city with open containers? You're you going change the laws for but just but one day.
1: Whoa, whoa. You can't go out of the place. When I go to the Washington State Fair, when you get ready to leave, you have to leave in front of same thing at a football game. You're not allowed to leave the stadium with your beer in hand. This ain't rocket science, y'all. Come on.
0: I personally, okay, back to your question, I agree to disagree on this. Um, Personally, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I think if people want to drink and have their kids with them, that is their, I think they should be able to do so. So I would agree with it, but limited hours. I would keep it during the daytime, maybe like, you know, from noon to six or something like that. and. Why, now, why, but why
1: it? are we making it hard for someone to just? I mean, they just got a beer in their hand. Is
2: it really hard that hard to find alcohol in our society where it needs to be sold like on the streets and you should be able to walk around everywhere? It's not hard to find booze. Okay, I I would say no to this, and here's why: I have young kids, and you know what I I, I like going to do like with my friends. I like going out to get a beverage occasionally. And I don't want my kids there or somebody else's kids who are also 2 years old or 3 years right, old or can 4 ruin years the vibe. old. Yeah. Why do we have to make everything a kid friendly? Shoot, man. Let the dogs in too. Make the beer gardens dog friendly, kid friendly, cat friendly, walrus friendly. Go ahead, bring it all in. No adults only spaces anymore in society because we got to worry about Becky and Tim and they want to bring little Noah in in a stroller. Dude, Dad, if you really want a beer that bad, just wait till you get home, have the beer at home, go out to eat at a restaurant, there are
1: plenty of places then, for you to then, access then, alcohol. Then apply, then apply the same standard for everything, everywhere that alcohol is served. Make sure when you go to Lumen Field or you go to T-Mobile Park, there needs to be a beer section that you can only drink in this area. Apply the same standard everywhere. Don't pick and you know choose what? when to do this. Is somebody Say, who get had a, here, no, somebody had a beer
2: spilled here's on me at the Kingdom when I was like six years old and had to deal with? drunk fans and was like what is going on here I actually wouldn't mind
0: here's the funny thing when I was in London you Hmm. could not take an alcoholic beverage to your seat you could consume it in the what do you call it the The lobby like a theater yeah like a theater but you could not take it to your seat at a game I was like whoa for real um, so, but so that
1: is. But no, the thing is, you know, I, I love Chef to death, but you're tra- he's trying to he's doing a good job of making a big deal about really nothing. Like there, there's no one that can come up with if you have a problem with it there at the Washington State Fair. The example that I'm using, then. You got to apply the same problem when it comes to sporting events and all those things. And by the way, thank you, Steve. When I was down in San Diego down there, they didn't make you wait. Uh, when you at the zoo there for the whole beer? You were able to walk around with your beer. Guess what? I didn't see. I didn't see no problems. I didn't see any little kids walking around drinking beer. Why are we making this a big deal? Men allow people okay. to have free agency. Great, to buy go, and, go and throw so,
0: kegs
2: so, everywhere on corner streets, no problem. So
0: basically, you won't agree or disagree on this topic. You're saying you want to banish the idea of beer gardens. Period. That's where you're landing.
2: You're saying okay. this doesn't go far enough. That's what you're saying.
0: <laughs> 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 All right, next topic.
2: We got, we got. Okay, some bipartisan work in Olympia from Senators Jesse Sullivan and, or Solomon and Ann Rivers. Mm-hmm. The two propose a bill that would allow legal therapeutic use. Of psilocybin mushrooms for veterans and first responders only uh, would have to be provided at a nonprofit center that has an explicit goal of promoting wellness for and assisting military vets or first responders. Gee, what do you think? Just uh, legalize it for those folks.
1: Oh, first of all, beautifully done. Way to pick, uh, go back-to-back back with the alcohol discussion yeah. and then this discussion right here. Because some of the same people that were hell-bent on agreeing with me, like, yeah, oh no problem. I hope that you're still on my side on this, too. Chef, don't limit it. Don't limit it to just those that are veterans in the military and all those things. Make it open for everyone. I believe that we are so behind Mm -hmm. on the use of these things to address depression we talk all the time about our mental health issues in this country and we have answers that are right here but because people are so stuck in their ways they want to tell you things like oh no oh no stay away from all that kind of stuff so hey a little microdosing once in a while is not bad for adults
0: Okay, so once again, G is saying something doesn't go far enough. So disagree with G, but I agree with this proposal to an extent. I would like yeah. to go a little bit further and open it up to anyone with diagnosable PTSD. There is so much research, so much research on this that has indicated this could really help folks who have that condition, that my reaction was, wow, wow. It is a breakthrough drug declared by the FDA, which yep. means they have expedited the research of it, the development of it. So there is a lot there there on this. Where I disagree with G is that it's not like alcohol. It is a lot of, um, there are a lot of, what do you call it, side effects if you have certain conditions or take certain medications. It is a serious drug that, when taken properly, can be helpful to many people, but it can also have some really bad side effects. So, therefore... I love the idea of this bill having it be regulated, having people know what they're getting, um, having the proper counseling that goes with it, mm. and being able to say you have to be licensed if you're going to be the one to distribute I, this. I, oh, you know what?
1: I'm glad. You know that's a. Very it's not good point. the
0: same as alcohol. It's not.
1: You know what? It's not because how many people die a day from mushrooms?
0: That's not. That's not my point. It's not always about death. It's about what could it create? Psychosis? All, all kinds can, can, of issues but, but, if it's not if it. If it, you take it and you're taking
1: something else you, or if you have some kind of condition. You just said that you want people to be licensed to distribute that. That
0: The proposal but in I the get, bill that you have to be should, licensed.
1: Should you, should you be licensed to sell alcohol? They, they do. You have to have a... a you are. A, what is it? The, the, I'm yeah, struggling the, today. You have the, the, to have a license. The, yeah. the business needs yeah. the liquor license, right? Okay. So are you just going to just bypass... The amount of alcohol deaths in this country on a daily basis, and you're telling me that that's not a big deal. So, here's where I'm going with this. I didn't say it's not a big deal.
0: You're putting words
1: in my mouth. That's well, not fair. Okay, well, let me, let me start I say it's you're not right. a big deal. I, I, yeah. I apologize. That's all right. How many deaths a day come from Mushrooms. Tell me. I'm sure. Are you yeah. going to enlighten us? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Zero. Alcohol death. Just poisoning alone. Just alcohol poisoning alone in this country. Six people die every day. I'm not even talking about car accidents. DUI. I'm not even talking about any of that. I'm just talking about alcohol poisoning. Could you imagine if six people died a day from mushroom poisoning and the stigma that would be behind that? So if... I can't use death to limit alcohol, then you can't use zero deaths to limit mushrooms.
2: Okay, uh, I think that's fair. Shut I, w- me I think up. I think the, <laughs> like the risks of psilocybin mushrooms are really overblown. Uh, I think this is a baby step bill. This is one of these baby step bills because you know you can get this one passed, right? And once you hear from your cousin Tim.
3: Who, uh, yeah, okay. Hi, guys. Hey, come on, come I'll on, jump on in. He's uh, Charlie Hariker. Hey, what's up, Charlie? What's up, brother? He's one of the bosses here, news director. What's up? We're just finding out that Seattle Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll is out.
0: Really? Uh, like, resigned or forced out?
3: We are learning uh, that he may be moving up to upper management within the Seahawks organization. Adam Schefter, uh, uh, among other people, are reporting that. We're working in the newsroom to gather more information. But the headline here is uh, Pete Carroll, after so many years with the Seahawks, is out.
0: Wow. The end of an era. What's your reaction to this, G?
3: (laughs) Thank you, Charlie.
2: Yeah, thank you. Breaking news from the boss.
3: That's right.
1: Whoa. Well... Let me first respond by saying the look on our news director's face when he walked in and seeing Chris Sullivan behind me, I knew that it was a big deal. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: We're talking about the end of an era and Pete Carroll being gone is a moment to just stop for a second and wonder we're going to ask what, when, how, and why. That's going to be the question. But more importantly, what is this going to mean for the Seattle Seahawks? So many things are going to have to be answered. But I would say that I have not had the feeling about what was going on with this Seahawks team since 2009. Pete Carroll became the head coach in 2010, and it has been a great run for who I believe is one of the best coaches in history. However, no matter what or how great someone is, there's still seasons that do come and go, and in this case, it seems like the season of Pete Carroll as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks has come and is now gone.
3: It's almost impossible to understate what uh, Pete Carroll has done for this team. When you consider where we were, uh, an organization with a, a, a club that was not uh, doing as well as it could in mm-hmm. that year between uh, Holmgren, then Mora Jr., then Pete Carroll taking over. Pete Carroll takes over. He makes an organizational change. But I think you can speak to this, G, a mindset change as well.
1: Yes. Um, I I, I got to tell you, um, my life has been changed because Pete Carroll did become the head coach of this organization. Mm. As you all know, I, I mean, I was washing cars at the time. And my life is where it is today because he did take over an organization and the trajectory of my life has been impacted and has changed dramatically. However, I do know that in this society that we live in, even more so today, wins and losses are a big deal. Um, What and how we see things are different than before. I think that this season was a tough season. I think that last season that they rose above expectations, right? But I do think that maybe, and I don't know this, but maybe obviously there was a situation where there needed to be a change. As we are I'm talking right now, my phone right now is blowing up with text messages, and I see three of them are former players right now that are talking about this. I think that this is going to be a topic that we talk about for a long time, probably the rest of today, and then tomorrow. But again, Charlie, like you said, Pete Carroll, what he has done for this franchise, not just on the wins and losses, but that franchise and what it has done for this city. There are young men, young women, fathers, husbands, wives, families that have come together in the last 13 years, because of the Seahawks Blue Fridays, not to say that Seahawks wasn't a big deal before, because it was. It's 47 years of existence here, but let's be real: over the last 13 years, it has increased the intensity yes. of watching.
0: It ele- elevated the Seahawks brand. We became more competitive every year. We were part of the conversation, and the last few years, it's been a little difficult. I mean, it's been rough with Russell. When, uh, Russell at the helm. Russell moved out. I know uh, Pete made a couple of changes. Um, did we get a new offensive coordinator? Um, gee, keep me honest on that. I think we got a new offensive coordinator. Wait, no, that was so, three,
1: three years ago. But yeah, my point mm-hmm. is, yeah,
0: so I think we've kind of been in a little, little bit stuck, you know, the last several years. Mm-hmm. And so, can, pulling back the curtain for a minute, how did this news break? How did you even get word of
3: this? Running into the newsroom, we uh, have our, our digital director comes out and says, Carol's out. And uh, we had Let's be honest. We had been kind of planning, Okay, what to do. This is the game plan. If this were to happen, uh, I think we were all saying no way does it happen. No way does uh, Pete Carroll leave. He still has a year on his contract. Uh, Some somewhere along the way that that changed. And now we we've got these reports, uh, three rock solid NFL reporters saying that he is out as head coach, may still remain within the Seahawks organization. I got to tell you this. This one, this, this kind of hurts. It's, yeah. I, you, it, you know, uh, Russell last year, a year before last, uh, mm. that was a different story.
0: This one, this one stings. Yeah, G, you've been checking your text messages. Can you <laughs> reveal any intel?
1: How about this? How about when we come back next, we will we will weigh in, Angela. I, we will be talking about this Pete Carroll thing. Do me a favor, everyone. Let me just get my thoughts together, okay? Because gotcha. I found out about this with you in real time, and I promise when I come back, I'll be better prepared to have this conversation. Is that fair? That's All fair. Right. Uh, Pete Carroll, as of now, according to Adam Schefter, is out as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. So Angela, I will weigh into that more next. It is the G and Show. Ursula Show. Angela Paul Russell is in for Ursula the rest of the week. Ursula will be back on Tuesday. Pete Carroll, head coach for the Seattle Seahawks, is out as head coach. There's a statement on Twitter, and it reads like this. After thoughtful meetings and careful consideration for the best interests of the franchise, we have amicably agreed with Pete Carroll that his role will evolve from head coach to remain with the organization as an advisor. Pete is a winningness coach in Seahawks history, brought the city its first Super Bowl title and created a tremendous impact over the past 14 years on the field and in the community. His expertise and leadership and building a championship culture will continue as an integral part of our organization moving forward. Pete will always be a beloved member of the Seahawks family. The other day after the Seahawks lost, excuse me, after the Seahawks won against the uh, Arizona Cardinals, and essentially they were out of the playoffs because the Green Bay Packers won, he was asked this, about that because Pete Carroll actually said he planned to be back next year.
3: I, I plan to be coaching this team and, and I told you that I love these guys and, and that's what I would like to be doing and, and, uh, and see how far I can go. You know, I'm, I'm not worn out. You know, I'm not tired. You know, I'm not any of that stuff. I need to do a better job and I need to help my coaches more and we need to do a better job of coaching and there's a lot of area for improvement.
1: As you can hear, as of Sunday after the game – Coach Pete Carroll said he wanted to be back. He wanted to be back coaching this team and it seems like from then until now, 3 days later, there has been a different decision and Pete Carroll out as head coach as he still Angela will be an advisor within the organization.
0: Okay, this is a this is a juicy bit of news that he actually made the public statement that he planned to be back. I don't think Peach doesn't strike me as the type of person that would say that and actually at the same time be thinking, no, I'm out. So where do you think the pressure came from? Did it come from the very top top or right above? And the top top, that would be top, Jody, the, right?
1: The, the top top would be Jody Allen. And then, of course, the GM for the Seattle Seahawks is John Schneider. Right. I don't know myself where it came from but i'm going to imagine that it did come from the top top for this decision i've gotten a bunch of text messages and i see the text messages here on our text line first let me say this am i devastated absolutely i'm absolutely devastated no i know for context no he didn't pass away no he didn't get hurt he's still gonna be fine he's within the organization But as a fan of the Seattle Seahawks, as a huge fan of Pete Carroll, this kind of punches me in the chest, and I kind of lose my air a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? So where did this come from? If I were to give an opinion on this, why did this happen? And sometimes it's not if you lose. Sometimes it is how you lose. And the feeling that I had this season— I said this before we went to break. I said to you, Angela, I said, some of the things that took place this season, I had not felt that energy since 2009, mm. right? And what do I mean by that? Yeah. There were uh, a couple things. And one of the things that I have learned from past Seahawks players that have played for Pete Carroll, and I specifically learned this from K.J. Wright, is rule number one, always protect the team. And meaning when you have problems, you settle those internally. And so I think we, the fan base, we saw a lot of things this season. One of those glaring things was the situation that was happening with Jamal Adams and the decision he was benched, but it was used to say, oh, he's kind of dealing with an injury. And then while he was dealing with said injury— or bench, whatever you want to call it, he was not in attendance for those games. So when you do that, it raises questions to everyone in the fan base, like why is this starting to happen? Is there a bigger problem to this? So when that happens, we as a fan start to ask more questions other than the final score. Also, I think expectations-wise coming into this season, they ended the season 9-8. and eight. They started the season six and three. They had a successful season last season. And there was a lot of people that kind of felt, oh, they're going to be better than they were considering the players that are coming back. I said to this, to this, to you guys yesterday, I gave very specific stats. I said, one of the problems for this team this past season was the defense and the defense, when it comes to being against the run last season, they ranked 30th out of 32 teams against the run. So you would think you have to be better about that, right, Mm Angelo? Well, this season, they ranked 31st out of 32 teams. So they got worse, right? And again, it wasn't just that they lost. It was the how they lost, right? They kind of go. But that doesn't mean that the career of Pete Carroll hasn't been The most amazing thing ever for this organization. He brought a Super Bowl here. In my opinion, he brought one of the greatest teams of all time here. He has brought and made a lot of us Seahawk fans, all of the great stuff that has happened. So it just seems like, man, I was not prepared to really go and talk about this. I think
2: Pete Carroll goes down. As the greatest coach in Washington State professional sports history if not all of Washington sports history there are only two other coaches I can see Don James at the UW and Mike Price who were head coaching a major sports team for longer here in Washington State I mean, Mike Holmgren was 10 years, George Carl was about 10 years, Lou Pinella was about 10 years, but there's not a single coach that took a franchise to the heights that Pete Carroll did. In his legacy, here will last for generations. Uh, he, he embodied, I think, for a lot of folks, what they want a leader to be coming from Seattle. He represented Seattle in the state of Washington so incredibly well. His positive coaching message paired with actual success, accountability. Pete was perfect for this town. And I, I hate seeing him go like this. Because it seems like he was likely pushed out. Yeah.
0: You know, when I think about Pete, you know, I'm not a a football expert, but just what I observed about him as a person, there seemed to be, um, in in terms of comparing him to other coaches, respect for players. I love that he believed in the underdog. How often did he bring in players that others had turned away? And he said, you know what? I see something in you and we're going to make something together. And they did. So for me, that will be part of his legacy. And, you know, I had a chance to sit next to him at a fundraiser and just found him to be a lovely human being.
1: Right. Okay. In lieu of text messages, I'm going to ask on you. If someone mentions Pete Carroll in an elevator and you had to describe him in one sentence, what would you say? Text us, 888-973-5476 on the Muckleshoe Casino Resort text line. Nick, I'm going to start off with you first, but we'll do that next. Mm -hmm. It is the G and Show. Ursula show. Good morning. Angela Poe Russell is here. As you guys heard the news today, this morning, about mm, 30 minutes ago, Pete Carroll out as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. He will remain within the organization as an advisor. Pete Carroll with the organization for 14 seasons. Coming up next year would have been his 15th He brought the Super Bowl here to Seattle. He is the winningest coach in Seahawks history. And I ask you, if Pete Carroll were coming up in a conversation in an elevator, give him us one sentence that you would give to describe Pete. 206 says, Pete Carroll, a goofy golden retriever chasing birds and squirrels around. I don't know if I wanted to read that first, but okay. <laughs> 425 says, two words, class act. He has done more, not just for football, but for the whole Washington as a state.
0: Ah, from the 206, the most positive, encouraging, and impactful man in Seahawks football and probably the NFL over the last 20 years, if not of all time. And the 253 says, my wife just got promoted at her job because of the culture she's created at her current location. This is something we took directly from Pete Carroll.
1: Ooh whoever that was, fire. 253 says, uh, excuse me, 206 says, I always think of Carroll as a Cali surfer dude that embodies the attitude of enjoying what you do and is always chill, which helps his players remain chill. Just a cool, calm guy that makes football fun.
0: Ah, Chris from Sumner, Pete Carroll is the reason that I became a Seahawks fan and started following football more closely.
1: 253 says, Pete Carroll reminds me of the Energizer bunny. What what about you? I'm going to ask you. You know, um, there was Laurie in the 206 that says, Pete in one sentence is the name, the title of his book title, uh, which was Win Forever, Live, Mm -hmm. Work, and Play Like a Champion. And in 2010, when Pete Carroll first became the head coach, here's the first time that I ever met Pete. So, it's in the Mm off-season. It is now, I believe, March. He was hired in February. It's now March of 2010. I'm out there doing what I always do, cleaning cars. Some of the guys aren't there yet. I'm still cleaning cars for people in the building. At the time, there was a basketball hoop that was outside. You guys now see the basketball hoop is now inside in their meeting room. But before that, it was outside. It's outside, and I was bringing up a pair of keys that I had just got done. Pete Carroll is outside, and there's a basketball, and he says, Hey, how you doing? We introduce each other, talk to each other. He says, Let's play a game of pig. I said, Oh, okay. So, we get ready to play a game of pig. He beats me. (laughs) What? Right? We play again. He beats me again. And he says, oh, that's it. I'm I'm done. I said, oh, I'm going to need that rematch, coach. He was like, all right. The reason why I tell you that story is the competitor that he was during that game of pig. It meant everything to him to win that game. What did it do for me? It was the first time and only time in my life that I have played a game of pig with a head football coach of the NFL. And during the tenure and time of Pete Carroll being there, I was a car detailer. I read his book that Lori brings up, Win Forever. And in that book, he talks about all of the things. And he talks about culture. And he talks about attitude. And a winning attitude. So no matter what you do in life, coaching, Sports, football, radio, whatever it is, you try to be the best at what you do. And I think that the, being around that culture really rubbed off on me. Mm. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't have would have been a car wash guy forever, which the whole point is, is listen to what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what you do. It's how you do and how you go about it. So how I'll remember Pete Carroll is the culture that he brought and the success that came because of it.
0: Wow, I love that. Thanks for sharing. Chef, did you want to add any way you'd describe him if you were in an elevator quickly?
2: Elevator quickly? I would just say he's the most positive, successful, inspirational role model for so many people uh, in this region. As for my wife, she described him as Silver fox. There it is. <laughs> oh, man. Nick. Well, I would say one sentence I had to come up with. is the bottomless heart of coaching, both in passion and compassion, because he was so
1: carrying on and off the field. There it is. Okay. We appreciate you guys listening to the show. But right now it is time for Words to Live By, brought to you by Wilcox Farms.
0: And light of the news, I thought I'd pull this really short quote from Marilyn Monroe, actually. Sometimes good things fall apart so better things could fall together.
1: That was good. That was good, and that was needed. Brother Nick, you ready for today? Well, I was preparing something for the end here, but with this breaking news, I'll
2: say Pete Carroll, to this point in time, greatest coach in the franchise's history, and to, to chef's point, probably in this region, Super Bowl championship, two appearances, winning his coach, many more accolades, but more importantly, my mind, I watched him on 60 Minutes back in his USC days. He would go out in the streets of L.A., even in the middle of the night. He would help these guys in gangs and in crime and in trouble, you know, in hard times. He would invite them to practices. That really in good light came in my mind when I was younger and showed me what he really is as a character and as a person. So, so positive, so caring. He has big shoes left to fill on the sidelines. Seahawks fans now we're officially entering a new era. Oh.
1: Wow. Fourteen, 14 seasons, 14 seasons. So I don't know how old your children are, right? I don't know how long you've been in your relationship. I don't know how long you've lived in that house. I don't know how long you've had that job. But there's a lot of things that you can look at that has happened in the last 14 seasons that has changed in your life or maybe remained the same. There are some children that are have kids at 14 years old right now. Maybe they were born then, but I'm telling you, he was and is a huge part of Seattle culture, not just sports, but the culture of Seattle. Most stories, a lot of stories will be told because of him. A lot of families are together because of them. A lot of makeups and and, and things like that have happened because of breakups. They come together because of Seahawk games and coming together as a family. So I am devastated almost to the point where I am barely finishing out this radio show, but I'm worried we'll be back tomorrow to do this again. The Jack and Spike show comes up next. Angela Paul Russell, thank you for being here. Chef, appreciate you. Nick, as always, thank you. We appreciate you for listening. Love you for that. And as always, be kind.
3: Hope you have as much fun as we have. So long, everybody.